Welcome everybody to the Saving Capitalism podcast. And today, guys, we're going to talk about the truth. That's right, the truth. And in its simplest form, everyone, the truth is that one investment property is not going to set you free. You're not going to get financial freedom from one investment property. The truth is that you shouldn't quit your job. The truth is that that business you're starting out is most likely going to fail and it will take years for it to be successful. A lot of people say, why are you being either negative or why are you being uh, like, they don't like that. They don't like to hear that, right? And uh, this is interesting to me because the truth will set you free. And I, and I mean it, I mean that it's the reality of the situations and the more that you understand the truth and the reality of the situation, the more you can protect yourself against the inevitability downsides, right? If you're trying to create odds that stack in your favor, meaning the odds of success, the outcome in which you want to increase, you have to eliminate or manage, protect yourself against the things that would stop it, right? Think of it as just basic math plus negatives, right? So you have things that are positive and you think things that are negatives. You want to increase the things that are positive and you want to decrease or manage the things that are negative. But too often people, first of all, don't like the truth, meaning that you want to be financially free and you actually go about that in a way that does the opposite. So the truth of the matter is that if you have a business and that business is 100% required on you to keep running, meaning that if you stopped working at your business, it's not a business, it's a job. You have a job. That's not a bad thing. But if what you're trying to achieve is financial independence and security that is not tied with your time, that's not it. And a lot of people do this. They buy themselves jobs, right? Or they create themselves jobs. Service people were the worst at it. That's what I did, right? And I felt when I started out that I was in control of my income and my time, right? Be your own boss. I'm a boss. And uh, the truth of the matter was uh, I had clients. I didn't own the revenue. I got a commission from what they were doing within their businesses. And that commission was predicated on me working. So I had a job and I didn't have a boss. I had lots of bosses, lots of them. And they fired me because that happens, right? If you are in a service-based business, you don't keep your clients forever. I mean, some of them, you may keep them for decades, but you're, you have turnover. Why? Because you can't control the things that happen, first of all, with their company, decisions that they make and the decision makers. So things change. Now, that is very contrary to what a lot of people are trying to accomplish. They buy a franchise of which they have to work in that franchise in order to make things run. Well, you are now an employee for the business that is the franchisor, right? You're working for them. And it's masked as you being a boss and having your own business. Now there's ways obviously that you can 
get out of that or construct that so it doesn't happen. The idea that you're going to buy a duplex and you're going to become financially free off that is just simply not true. You don't really become uh, financially free by investing in real estate. You become financially free through building a real estate business. Now, the way you can become financially free investing in real estate is investing with others in real estate, meaning they have a real estate business. But for you to think I'm going to own a piece of real estate and that investment is going to make me free, it won't happen. One duplex won't do it. Now, 30 might. But if you have 30 duplexes and you're doing all the property management yourself, well, take the income. Let's say you have, call it 20 duplexes, and say that you make $1,000 a month off each duplex. You're making $20,000 a month. You're making great money. You do all the property management to keep overhead low. Well, let's say that property management would amount to $10,000 a month. That means $10,000 of your income is a job. And 10,000 of it is passive. Now, that's 10,000 of business income you own. You would hire a third-party management to do all the day-to-day -day stuff, right? But at the end of the day, you have to get your attention. It's not like you can't do anything. That doesn't work. You actually have to work on that because now you're dealing in scale. And when you start to scale, you have a business. And you cannot become financially free in real estate without scale. It's basic math. Now, you say, well, one commercial property could make me financially free. It could. You're still dealing with scale, though, right? You're just changing where the doors are at. So instead of having doors in lots of different locations, it's in one. So you buy a huge multifamily or storage facility, and you all of a sudden have hundreds of doors. You're still dealing with scale, right? And that's the thing. The truth of the matter is, if you want to create a life that is not dependent on you working in your actions, you should be, you should have been born in a trust fund because that's not how it works. You either have upfront work and creation and back end disassociation with income to work, which what you're doing is you are earning off your work. It was just work years ago. You did it smart. The problem is I think we have a fairy tale that there's passive income and uh, just do this one thing. And that's not how it works. And that leads us to make very stupid decisions. And that allows us to stack the ads odds against us, not for us, right? That means that we go all in on an idea that's probably bad. That means that we are bought into a hype and we don't actually critically think and look at the pluses and the, and the downsides and realize that the hype is a hype and it's actually going to make me uh, uh, enslave me rather than set me free. And my end goal, which I thought the hype would get to, it doesn't correlate. The reality is these things take time. They take knowledge. They take hard work.
and they take money. I think that capitalism works that way and it works better that way, meaning the allocation of capital should be long-term, not short-term. When short-term incentives trump long-term incentives when we deal with capital allocation, you have problems. You may not feel those problems for a long time, but you have problems. That's the thing that can take down companies. It's the thing that can take down whole entire markets. That's why politicians should be as far away from the inner workings of the economy as possible. They are the shortest-term thinkers in the world. They do whatever their constituencies want in a short-term basis and whatever is good for them to get reelected. That's just the truth. You can't argue with that because it's true. Now, that doesn't mean that they're horrible people. That means that that's how the system works. And once again, to deny the fact that the system works like that means that you just have your head in the sand and you're hoping and praying for a savior in the form of a politician. You can be a stupid capitalist. You can be a stupid citizen, right? The fact of the matter is it's hard and it takes time and scale is important, really important. If you're trying to build a business, that business, even the capital, once it starts spurting off a profit, needs to be reallocated. I was fortunate. I was more fortunate than I think anybody. I mean, I saw my dad and what he had to go through and how he had his a large company. He was an insurance salesman. And that large company got bought out by a rival company. And they wanted him to move to New York. I was a teenager and he said no because he didn't want to raise his kids in New York. He wanted to stay in Idaho, where we were, where our family was, where we raised. That's That was what they wanted. And so he had to go out on his own and try to, and his clients go with him um, to survive, to do what he wanted to do. There was no other options, right? And so he was a kind of a forced entrepreneur. He didn't want to be. If that merger hadn't taken place, he would have never left the company. And uh, he was forced into that. And I saw the struggles that my dad went through. And I'm lucky because I got to see that. But not only did I get to see it, I got to see it at an age where I understood it. I understood the struggles at home and uh, the fear and, and how money was so important because they didn't know if it was going to come around again. We didn't put blinds or shades up in the house for years because they were afraid they couldn't afford it, right? Now, once again, I'm lucky because I wasn't, I I didn't have it bad. I had it exceptional. I mean, my dad worked in a white-collared business and he made good money. That's the truth. He had hard times and he had to go and he took himself out of extreme poverty, not poverty like we have today. And all while I got to see and I got to learn. And uh, that's something that people just don't get. And I'm not in any way, shape or form disillusioned at the benefits. In fact, I embrace them and I try to teach others what I learned and what I saw. Um, we, we learned very early on long-term thinking. 
we had to learn about capital allocation. Uh, it was part of our lives. And that's the next thing that's the truth. There is no separation between work, investments, building, and your personal life. That doesn't exist. You don't have life balance, work and at-home life balance. If you are trying to balance out work, spouse, kids, friends, personal health, entertainment, investing, it is impossible. I hate the term work-life balance. It is so stupid to think that you can balance all of those things constantly and you will drive yourself mad trying to. One of the balls will always drop. And at the end of the day, you just have life. And there are gives and takes. And they all need to align together. If you do not have your spouse and kids aligned to investing in a startup, you will fail. You will either fail at home or you will fail in your endeavor, your venture. If your, if your home life sucks, your professional life and your business life will suffer. You don't just flip a light switch and all of a sudden you're on fire and you're creative and everything else when you're going through a divorce. If you are, you're a sociopath. I mean, that doesn't work. How, you can't separate those things. And this is the truth, people. Foundational things matter more than anything else. Foundational principles, incentives, and the reality. It's the simple things that people forget about because they create a foundation that is not sustainable. This is what we see in politics. Short-term thinking, short-term foundations lead to structural failures. Look at when uh, what happened with 2008 and the collapse of the real estate market. Why did that happen? Most people say, oh, it happened because of subprime mortgages. Okay, well, that was the trigger. That's what the, the cause, right? But why? Why did that happen? Well, that's because the Clinton administration had a huge goal, and that was to make every American a homeowner. First of all, they just thought all Americans should be homeowners. So they took the banks, all the big ones, they put them in a room in Florida, and they said, you guys don't come out of here until you big banks figure out how we can get every American into a home. Well, what that created was a way to carve up, fractionalize, stack trade and sell risk so they could do more loans because what was impeding them to do loans risk you want every american to own a home but the fact of the matter is not every american should own a home you shouldn't own a home unless you are financially first of all stable savvy you know what you're doing you have long-term goals and you can actually manage your life which that's not everybody. In fact, that's a huge portion of the economy, right? But the idea is, well, how can we get rid of those risks of default for those things and get a point? That's what came out of it, right? So short-term wins 
ended up into long-term structural failures because the foundation was predicated on short-term results. And that was very short-term. I mean, you're talking about like a decade. This was in the early 90s, and by the early 2000s, the House of Cards was already coming down. The foundation was so broken that the very system that created it and was mandated to do it failed. The same thing will happen in your life. Now, you may say, AJ, are you being a Debbie Downer? No, I'm not. In fact, it's the opposite. A lot of people don't know where to start. They don't know how to begin. And they, they're, they're, they're trying, they are afraid. They're afraid. The best way to not be scared is to, first of all, understand the risk, compartmentalize them, realize they won't go away, but you can manage those risks. And then take actions that maximize the upsize while minimizing the downside structurally and that you don't play a winner-takes-all game. That may be popularized in media and pop culture, but that's not how people get wealthy. Never has been. The idea that Apple went all in on this crazy idea, Steve Jobs and Wozniak, they went all in and they were going to just build this and they were going to change the world, right? Oh, geez, I just, I think, threw up in my mouth a little just by saying that. The reality of the fact is they had a huge private equity company that uh, understood business and they gave them money and they gave them structure, but they were hedging their bets, meaning that if it was an Apple, it would have been somebody else. And that's the thing that people don't talk about. They like to romanticize. We have this hero's journey, right? But guess what? If it wasn't Steve Jobs, it would have been somebody else. The money would have backed someone else. Now, we can argue all day, which I do. I'm not trying to take anything away from Steve Jobs at all. It is his creation. It looks, it is. We have these products because of him. If it wasn't for him, they might be crappy products that would be fragmented in. It might not work as good. I guess I'm an Apple guy. I love Apple products. That came from Steve Jobs' mind. But what I'm saying is, though, Steve Jobs was successful much more due to a private equity company than he was solely out of what came out of his mind. In fact, it was the private equity company that allowed Steve Jobs to do what would probably be a lot of stupid things. But that allowing him to be him, even with all his downsides, is what allowed Apple to come to be. They took care of the rest. You don't need to be some hyper genius like media makes it sound. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to be waking up at 5 a.m. and just everything you do is rocket and you're an amazing father, an amazing mother, and you do everything. That's not how it works. That's not the truth, people. It's just not. You can be flawed, and uh, you will be, and your business will struggle. Um, So lean into it, everybody. And that's actually how you get successful. You analyze, here are the things, the risks, the things that I suck at. How do we minimize those things? What do we need to put into place? And how can we leverage those good things? We first and foremost need to understand, though, Is this even a real opportunity? Meaning that what you're doing today, 
most of the time, people, it's predicated on you. That's not how capitalism works. Capitalism doesn't care about you. It cares about the market. Most businesses fail because there was never a market for it anyways. It was just somebody that wanted to create something that nobody wanted. And then the market didn't accept it. That's the vast majority of all business failures. The market is the market. You build to serve others. You build for others, not for yourself. People get it backwards. They think entrepreneurship and investing is about me. I'm going to be the entrepreneur, right? I'm going to be a king. I got to be all this stuff. I'm going to build my kingdom. And they should just be saying, how do I serve others? And how do I do that in a way that I can be profitable? Why? Because I need money to grow. So you have expenses, you have revenue and expenses, then you have net profit. That doesn't mean that's what you're netting because growth, you guys, is expensive. So the next thing you need to understand is time and the power and importance of capital. That's why I say the truth is you shouldn't quit your job. Me and my dad, we worked selling insurance, our jobs for years, being paid by one of the second biggest companies in the world, why we built our companies and our real estate empire. I was outrageously fortunate that I could do that. But it also made us that we weren't taking profits ever. Why? Because we had to build it so it wasn't reliant on us. Also, what ended up being, I think, our greatest success. We built companies that could be run on their own because they had to be. Why? Because we had to work our jobs. We had to do our jobs. We had to sell, which were, this was this a lot of work here. I was running the brokerage firm while we were building our side, uh, side businesses. It, it, and we clients were demanding, right? This isn't like, you know, oh, we didn't have important jobs or whatnot. The money we made was really important. If we took it out of our business to pay for our lifestyles, we would have not been able to grow the business. And we would have been way more susceptible to downturns and it would have been then predicated on us because the people we couldn't hire to run the business because we had to take the profit out. So instead, we worked, put it in. We double dipped, we worked hard, and then it got to a point where we could, we had a business that would run on its own, generate profit, but also generate returns that could be allocated in the business so it could keep growing. That's the difference, right? All right, you have revenue, you have expenses, you have net profit. That's not the end. You have growth. So you need capital to grow. So the money, the reinvestment capital that needs to go back in the business, then from there, you have earnings. Very different, right? Something that most people don't even think about. They think net profit means earnings. Not if you're a business owner that has a business that's growing. That's not true at all. And the problem is, if you're not growing, you are dying. You are dying. So they don't structure it right. They do short-term things, once again, at the failure of long-term. Now, I'm not saying you have to work two jobs. I'm not saying any of that. But then you need to realize, here's the reality of the situation. We need to grow. I want to work. I need to get paid for my work. Meaning that I have a franchise. That franchise makes $100,000 a year. I'm running that franchise day to day. That means if I wanted to hire a manager for it, it'd be $50,000. Once again, the net profit on that company is $50,000.
you are paid $50,000 for running it. It's very, very different. That's fine. You need to realize that. So then you may say, like we did, we need multiple businesses and assets so we could pay people to run it, keep growing it, and generate a profit. Now you can do that like we did, which was really hard. And actually, I probably wouldn't do it that way again. I would have probably just gotten investors. Investors have to pay for work being done, just like everybody does. So in my business today, everyone, I get paid salaries. I have bosses. My investors and my tenants are my bosses. I get paid to work and grow my company. That I take out as a salary, right? My company produced revenue, which I allocate back in, excess of that is net profit. That is my earnings, my earnings I take in. So anybody that's working within a, in a business is not, first of all, you have two different types of incomes. And that's fine. I don't I'll never not have that because I never don't want to work. I've been there. I've done that, right? I've done the whole sitting at home in my wheelchair and, and not doing anything. I, I never want to not be working again. And so I will work and I get paid for that work right? Now, it's different because the work that I do, I thoroughly enjoy and I'm good at because I've been able to structure it that way. That has to do with leveraging what I'm good at and not what I'm bad at. We cover it and manage it. And through that, we grow the business. I allocate mine, but I have people in my business that some years make more than I do. They're literally paid more than I am. When you look at my pay, now, of course, I have profits, right? And things like that. But at the end of the day, it's true. CEO, I'm running the company. Sales guys, they make more that year than I did on a salary basis. I'm okay with that. Why would anyone have a problem with that, right? They earned it, and that's what I'm working for. I, though, have also the profits of the business. The truth is it's not simple, and it is complex. Now, I don't have to work in my companies. I don't. I already did that and not worked in my companies. Um, as of today, we could simply just hire third-party management companies and everything and sit back and, and live off it, which is great. That, that's what you want to do if that's your end goal, right? That's not mine. And I'm realistic of what I need to do to be happy, realistic of what my business needs to grow. We forfeit profits and we reallocate profits all the time. There's no separation between me and my business. It doesn't exist. Just like there is no separation between you and your job. And thinking that there is, is a fool's errand. There's no separation between you and your spouse and your kids. So we have to be hyper-realistic, especially when investing and especially starting out. And if that's a downer to you, you should not be doing it. If it's a downer to actually be realistic, understand, manage risks, you shouldn't be doing it. That's why when I invest, I work on the upside and I mitigate the downside. I take short-term hits, meaning like interest rates, we lock out longer, everything, because I know what the downside is. I need to be prepared for it. My business needs to be able to go through cycles just like it did through 2008. We need to be able to survive that, right? We need to be going. I am totally fine looking at the dangers. I'm also 100% accepting that I could lose everything tomorrow. Why? Because I can't control everything. I don't know what will happen in the future. We could go into a Great Depression and everything could be gone, right? Now, the weird thing is people worry about that, but then for some reason they think their job is not susceptible to those things. That's not true. So 
we have a problem with people analyzing risk. It, you're not analyzing it correctly. You think that single sourced income that you don't control is less risky than Im- investing and businesses that have multiple lines of revenue in which you can, tr- can control. Now, what happens is when you're a business owner, you see how the sausage is made. And that's why a lot of people are scared because they have to make it and they also see how it's made. They see that, oh, revenue is not like a paycheck, right? It's not a straight line thing. It doesn't just magically appear in my account twice a month. And insurance isn't just magically paid and holidays, everything else, right? And they don't know or they don't see that the business owner in down months doesn't take any money out. In fact, they may put money in. For them, it's just straight line. If you are not okay with that, once again, you shouldn't be doing it. But the, mat- the fact of the matter is, just because you're not okay with it doesn't mean you're not subject to it. You are, because the business will fire you. In fact, you are way more subject to it than the business owner is. The only difference is the business owner isn't telling you. They're allowing you to live in a wonderful, beautiful world where your paycheck shows up, you work hard, and you get to do your thing. And you can leave that job and go get paid somewhere else. The business owner can't leave his job. That doesn't exist. So you have freedoms the business owner doesn't have. You do not take risks that the business owner does. And you don't have to deal with the sausage being made. That's the trade-off. It's the trade-off to income. 90 plus percent of the people do not want to see, understand, and do not want to make that sausage. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. The idea that you have to be an entrepreneur and that's the way to be successful is so bogus. The greatest hack is if you can make a ton of money in your job or a lot of money, you can save a lot and then allocate that capital with other businesses, meaning real estate businesses or whatever that is. Then you can be growing, you get the benefit of it, you get equity, you get all that, and yet you get the security, security, air quotations, you get the consistency, we'll say that, of that job in those set payments, and you don't have to deal with how the sausage is made on either end. That is the greatest hack. You don't have to do the work, you don't have to deal with the problems, right? Now, you have to work at your job, and you may not like your job. I'm not saying that you do, right? But also, most people think that their job would be better if X, I mean, grass is always greener on the other side, and that is something that people learn very quickly is a short-term thinking and, and actually doesn't play out. Uh, now, outside, but of course, people have sucky jobs. I've had them, everybody's had them, and you need to go to another place. But the reality is, right, that you don't have to deal with the things that that owner has to, and you can play on both sides. Kind of get the best of both worlds. That is the greatest stack. Me, I'm a glutton for punishment. I don't understand it. I want to not only know how the sausage is made, I want to control it, and I want to make more of it. I'm okay with risk fluctuations, and I'm okay to get the crap kicked out of me because I just keep getting up. It's weird. Um... I, I, I don't assume that people should be like me. Um, now, there's lots of people, though, that they don't mind it. They don't mind doing the thing, having their incomes directly tied to outputs, right? 
That's why I was a salesperson. That's why lots of salespeople become entrepreneurs, because they're okay with that. For me, I was okay with it, and we built our companies up. And then after I was paralyzed, I thought, all right, I'm good at this. I've been doing this for a long time. So I made that promise where I said, I'll let other people invest with me, and I'll teach other people. Why? Because I felt like I had that. And I want to share that with other people. I don't get paid for this podcast, right? I want to share my knowledge. And I am not even saying that I'm the smartest person out there or anything at all, because I'm, I'm not. There's plenty of other people that are smarter than me. But I hope that my what I've learned and what I'm learning, that experiences can help other people, prepare them. Because I got that. And that was the difference. And so for me, that's meaningful. Then we also let the ability for others participate with us. We never did that before. We didn't need to do that. But it was also my way of giving back. And we thought other people can invest with us. We're long-term invest, uh, investors. We are not for everybody, right? And that's okay. And you have to realize that getting started out very early. But our system, stacking method, works. It works really good. It generates high returns over the long term. And uh, that's how we think in our mode of operations we do. And we want other people, if they want to have that opportunity to just come right along and do it with us. That gives me more opportunities as well. I get to buy more. Long-term, that mode works really well for me. Short-term means we have a lot of work, a lot of expenses. We're moving capital into doing this. So we're funding all our deals. Our investors get to come in. They get equity. They don't get risk. And we're playing the bank almost half the time. We have 8 million bucks, I think, out right now in our investments and everything that investors are coming in after. We bought the assets and we already started improving, transform over, and we don't even sell that to the investors, right? So these are the things that we do in our mentality to win long-term. And we believe that it can be a very much a win-win situation, long-term. And that's, our, that's, that's my why. That's what I do, that's how I give it back. Some people, their whys are very different. And you need to align your why with what you're doing, meaning that my why is so important to me that if I wasn't doing it, I wouldn't be happy, even though it's hard. And even though short term, it's not probably, no, it's not probably, it's not the best decision. I could be way more short term profitable, right? But it's not my why. It's not why I'm happy. That doesn't, it doesn't fuel me. It's not why I get up in the morning. It's not like I'm young. I want to build for 20, 30 years, right? I, 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 I have the time, the ability to. So my purpose, my why, that just fits for me, needs to align with my actions, my business model, and everything else. That is how you are happy and successful. Most people do it, once again, I just don't want to get up and work in the morning, so I just want money so I can watch Netflix. So what they're doing is, the financial freedom is simply just, I want money without work. What it should be is, I want money that is not tied to my time. That's fine, right? But it doesn't mean that work doesn't exist. How you structure it and how you deal with it, that's different. So be truthful with yourself. The reality of the situation is all of these things, put it together. Now, you won't know, so you have to go find out, right? You have to explore. I do that every day. Half my job is literally just trying to learn things. That's half my job. I spend half of my time trying to learn things, trying to solve problems, figure out the right way we should be doing things, talking to the right people, 
I'm searching for information. I'm, I'm trying to interview people. I'm trying to network. I'm trying to create, right? That's half of my job is to try to overcome the vast amount of things that I don't know. That is all our jobs, but we don't treat it like that. But that's life. So you need to be ready and say, I can start, I can build, I can do things, I can be realistic, I can find the opportunities because I am realistic and honest, and then I can capitalize on those things, even if I don't know how, because on the journey, it is a discovery portion. That is the leading in faith part. And it's easier to lead in faith in entrepreneurship and investing when you've done the homework to figure out the various, uh, the spread of unknown. So think about it like a big funnel. At the top, there's tons of unknowns. You're trying to limit the unknowns down to a much smaller portion. They never go away, but you're trying to limit it down. That's how you manage risk, right? And you set things to make the funnel very secure. So the outcome then, the spread on the outcome is simple. It's a lot thinner. And then you work within that. It doesn't mean there's not room for error, fault. No, because there's things you can't control, but you've limited it. That's how you do it. And on the journey, you will limit it. So you find people, you understand, you work with attorneys, everybody else that can go. A problem pops up, it's not, I can't do it. A problem pops up and it's, okay, let me find somebody that can solve this and figure out how we're supposed to do this. Once again, though, it's a journey and it does take work and that's okay. And that's the truth of the matter. You need to be accepting the truth and being okay with it. Now, once again, if you are making a lot of money, it probably makes no sense for you to go start out anything. Why? Because the benefit, meaning the actual cost benefit, if I'm making $300,000 a year and I can save $200,000 a year from that and allocate that into assets, the opportunity cost then of me going and starting something is immediately 300 plus thousand dollars a year more than that so if i need if i lost 300,000 and i need 300,000 that's a 600,000 dollar gap i have to make up that doesn't make sense right unless it's what you want like me and as you desire then it's perfect go for it do it figure out how work two jobs but if you want to do it though do it smart use your capital build up investments, reserves, cash flow, and then build yourself up so that that $600,000 spread is just getting less and less and less. And then odds are in your favor, you can be actionable, and that money, that earning potential that you had is being used. You have that leverage of it, that working capital, right? That would be the smart way to go. If you have little capital and you don't have a lot of disposable income or money, then you need to look at how do I attract capital? What is, what is my role? Sweat equity, right? What am I doing? How do I bring capital in? Who are my capital partners? What does that look like, right? There's a lot of ways to skin a cat. Thinking that there's only one way just is not true, right? So be hyper-realistic and honest and then create a path that is aligned with what you really want. Not the fact that you want, air quotations, financial freedom because you read about it on a meme on the internet or the fact that you just don't want to work be realistic because working's happening you're going to do that no matter what you may want to do it for you and do it to build and do it in the way that you want that's amazing and you should understand and then 
Take those risks and limit them. You'll walk forward in much more confidence. You'll hold your head up high. Yes, you'll be nervous, and yes, there's unknowns, but it won't just be overwhelming to you. You will have an action plan and be ready to tackle it. So that's the truth for today. Uh, Not meant to be a downer, but instead be empowering. And at the end of the day, the truth is, the truth is very, very empowering.